Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 78 of The Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And um, it's yellow season here is what I call it. The pollen is in the air, so we're going to have very soft and sultry voices yeah, and today. Ho- hopefully not a lot of hacking in your ear. <laughs> yeah, no sneezing. It is crazy. Uh, my car is blue, but this morning it was yellow. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. But we are happy to be back together in our recording studio. In Guilford, Connecticut. Yeah. We were just at Book Expo and we had a grand time. Oh, so much fun was had. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really glad to be back, though, with our pile of books. We didn't get carried away this year, but we did bring some home. Um, we met up with dear friends and just had a great time, saw Aunt Ellen. Made some new friends, too, which yep. was great. It was wonderful. So before we get started, we do have just a few little things to talk about. One is we have a huge thank you to listener Wendy. She sent us a donation. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you so much for being a contributor to our little podcast. We appreciate it. We appreciate it so much. And I have to say, Wendy has the most beautiful handwriting. She does. It looks like she used a fountain pen. Yeah. And then she has one of those cool um, seals, wax seals on the back of her envelope. Very beautiful. Nice. Yeah, thank you, thank we, you, Wendy. We, we're, we were geeking out over that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we also wanted to tell you that we do have a YouTube channel. We do. And we did a recap each day at Book Expo. You know, we talked a little bit about different features of Book Expo and tried to take you along on our journey as we do here on the podcast. But we know people like visual. So check those out. Right. And we're still getting comments from people saying, Oh my gosh, I had your voices and faces yeah. confused. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And it was so much fun. We met two listeners there, Deborah and Lisa. So much fun to meet you both if you're listening to this. Oh, uh, really wonderful. Yeah, we saw that we were talking with Russell of Income Paper Blogs, and they were standing in a line, and we were on the way to a panel. Uh, but it was so great to talk with them. They go on biblio adventures together yeah it was really fun and you know one of the big biblio adventures of course being that they attend book expo right and they're from milwaukee so yeah. it's not like it was just a short drive for them right they they're, are devoted readers yes and then we have one more reminder before we get started with our segments which is we have a read-along of safira and the slave girl by willa cather and that is starting this month we're going to be recording with jenny of Reading Envy on June 27th. So you have until then to get comments or questions to us. We do have a Goodreads thread going about the read-along. You can comment there. You can comment on social media. We'd love to have your ideas and thoughts on the book. And also, if you decide to join in, please um, send us pictures of your covers. Yes. <laughs> We'd love to see so much fun. everyone's covers. Great. So what yeah. are you currently reading, Chris? Well, currently, I am reading a a book that my friend Janet first uh, brought to my attention. She's a, a bookseller out in L.A. and said that a lot of people started coming in looking for this book, and so she got curious and read it and really enjoyed it. It's Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, McQuiston I believe. And the tag is, true love isn't always diplomatic. It's a, ro- a romantic comedy novel, which I needed something like a palate cleanser after Gone with the Wind. And this is a love story between the president of the United States' son. The president is a woman. Her son is, he's kind of an antagonist of the, one of the princes in England. (laughs) They, they uh, have this little kind of a spat thing going, but they're kind of thrown together because there's an international incident that happens early on in the book 
that they caused. And I won't go into detail. And so it's about them having to be diplomatic with one another for international relations and all of that. But it's a lot of fun. They're, they're 20-ish or so. So this novel, I've seen people asking, like, is it young adult or adults? I'm not really sure. It is by St. Martin's Griffin. Hmm. I'm not sure if Griffin is, you know, what that imprint is about. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. But it's really cute so far. I just started it. I'm enjoying it. And it just came out in May. Okay. I was going to say, I've seen a lot of people talking about it on social media. It's definitely a buzz book. So that's exciting. So Red, White, and Royal Blue, Casey McQuiston. How about you? I am still reading Mrs. Everything by Jennifer Weiner. (laughs) This is a tome. It's over 500 pages. And um, we just finished another tome, which we'll talk about (laughs) in our next segment. So I have not been getting any reading done. And also, you know, one of the things we talk about at Book Expo is you spend days, literally three days, talking and walking and thinking about books, but you don't read. Right. So I'm, exactly. I got a little bit behind in reading. But um, this is a new book that's coming out on June 11th. So it comes out just as this episode airs. It'll be coming out the same week. And it really is spans a long stretch of time. And um, Jennifer Weiner wanted to cover some of the things that we are talking, still talking about today when it comes to women. So some of the common themes of stay-at-home mother versus working mother, abortion rights, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm really enjoying it. It covers um, back and forth point of view of two sisters named Joe and Beth, which is a shout out (laughs) to little women. So (laughs) So Mrs. Everything by Jennifer Weiner. So what have you just read? I think we can both guess what we just read. <laughs> Gone, Gone with the wind. wind. Yes. Oh, we by Margaret it. Mitchell. Yeah. Holy tamole, did it take forever. Yeah. <laughs> I I have to admit that I would never have gotten through it without doing both the audio and reading. Mm-hmm. I just would not have. Yeah. But fortunately, the narrator was fantastic on audio. Yeah. Well, I read it on my e-reader, and I felt like I woke up and I read it. I read it during the day when I could. I fell asleep reading it. Like, I was reading every single minute is how I felt. I enjoyed it very much. The problematic parts are problematic, uh, the issues, I should say. But it's such a good story. You know, it's funny because, you know, we did record with Jenny from Reading Envy. So just so everyone knows, that episode will air on the Reading Envy podcast site on June 18th. But the one thing I feel like we didn't talk about was why it's so popular. I'm not sure if we did talk about that. And because it is, you know, the the racism in it was really hard for me. And it was particularly hard at the beginning. But I also think... It was a fantastic story. Yes. I mean, it covered a really interesting span of time. Mm -hmm. You cared about the characters. Right. And and they were very complex characters, most of them. You could relate to them. You kind of loved them. And then they would talk a little bit too long. And you're like, oh, my God, you're the biggest jerk ever. (laughs) So they're complex. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, we watched a documentary about Margaret Mitchell's life called Margaret Mitchell and American Rebel, which Robin from... California told us about. So thank you, Robin, for that. We enjoyed watching that. And it talked about how the book came out in 1936 during the Great Depression and how people were reading the book as, 
you know, a motivator that you can make it, that you right. can survive, that yeah. during the toughest times there is hope. And Margaret Mitchell wanted to explore the theme of why do some people recover from catastrophe and why do some not? Right. And, you know, Scarlett is this 16-year-old that's thrown into a really difficult period of time because yeah. the book spans, for those of you who haven't read it, it spans and, and goes over the Civil War period. Yeah, it starts just before the, the first shots are fired and then it goes through through Reconstruction. So mm-hmm. from the time she's 16, at the end of the novel, she's 28. Yeah. So it's, I, I, I have to say, I loved it and yeah. I didn't expect to love it. And there were times when I was like, how can you love this book that, you know, paints some segments of society in a way that's really painful to read about. Right. You know. And it's just the, the racism in the book. It, it does depict racist attitudes from the Civil War era and the 1930s as well. But the point that I think we're both struck by is how relentless it was. Mm-hmm. Just in the descriptions of some of the African-American characters, it just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It really is. So it's problematic. And I think it's kind of similar to Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer, where the N-word is used. And, you know, do you still teach it? How do you teach it? Yeah. And I do think that this novel, Gone with the Wind, could be a talking point, a talking, a jumping off point for people to talk about race. Because during the story and during the historical reality, you know, the freed African-Americans, the freed slaves were given the right to vote. The men were anyway. And the former slave owners were not able to vote. So there's a lot of voting rights issue and voting manipulation going on in this as well, which is definitely has a racial component in our country to this day. Right, right. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. Um, or as they say, history repeats itself. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, but I'm really happy to. I reread it. It was a reread for me, but I really didn't remember anything other than the basics. And what sticks in my mind are just some of the scenes from the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which it's just, in the movie, I thought was really well done. We did. We started watching the movie with Aunt Ellen last week. It's a four-hour movie with an intermission, you know, and we got through, I want to say, just under half with her, and then we both finished it on our own. Yeah. Um, But some of the scenes that were shot, like there's this one particular scene where there's, you know, just a long stretch of soldiers who are wounded and being cared for by doctors, and this shot is so... Just it really takes your breath away when you see it. So it's one of those book movie things that I really felt like the movie was a good interpretation of the book. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Yeah. So we did it. We got through Gone with the Wind. And um, reminder that on June 18th, our discussion with Jenny will be live. Will be live. Yeah. And thanks to everybody who's been reading along with us and participating. It's been a lot of fun. It has. And the Goodreads page was really active and it was really fun to hear what people had to say about it. Yeah. All right. Did you read anything else? You know what? I did. I read just this morning. I finished a book and today is the 75th anniversary of D-Day. As we record. It is the June um, 6th here today. And so the book that I just read is The Americans on D-Day and in Normandy, Rare Photographs from Wartime Archives. And this is by Brooke S. Blades. It's a fantastic book. You know, when, when I was a kid, I would spend hours 
days poring over my parents' Time Life books. Mm-hmm. Me that, too. Yeah, that were yeah. full of uh, really great uh, photographs. And I was often attracted to the war photography. Hmm. Um, so this is that kind of book where you can just sink into looking at the photos. It does. It's all about D-Day and Normandy from the military perspective and also f- civilians as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It would be a really good companion to have if you're into uh, the Billy Boyle series. Oh, interesting. And there's yeah. a new Billy Boyle in in the works yeah. coming out, I think, September. Is that right? I think so, Don't yeah. Don't quote me on that, but By I'm By James sure. Benn. Yeah. Um, so, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, whose, whose series focuses on the European war theater. Mm-hmm. Great photos, maps. They have maps of the invasion. And what's neat is they have aerial photographs from the 1944 campaign and then contemporary photographs. Oh, So you can see, you know, this one stretch of just beach from the 40s and then more contemporary photo shows houses along the shoreline. It's a really great historical book. If, if you only have one book about D-Day, check this one out. It is out. It came out in March through the Naval Institute Press. Great. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes to help you find it. And, you know, we should say, for anyone who don't doesn't know what that means, the show notes, oh, we because right. a lot of people we recognize, you know, you get you have a podcast feed on your cell phone or on your tablet, and it just says, hey, there's a new Book Cougars episode, and you just push a button, and it's like smoke and mirrors, and you get to hear our <laughs> lovely voices. <laughs> but we do have a website, which is www.bookcougars.com. And you can also listen directly um, from the audio files on the website. But mm-hmm. then underneath the audio files is everything we've talked about. Right. It's show notes that every yeah. book we mention. And that's Emily's assignment. So I do the editing of the podcast. Emily does these show notes. And I hope you take the time to look at them. She lists every book we talk about in the different segments. So you can easily find a title or an author. And when we reference certain articles or let's say a booktuber we have their link in there too so you can find them that way and under our segments i have in parentheses cw or ef and those are our initials so you know if it was a chris recommendation it's cw if it was my recommendation it's an ef yeah just so you know biblio adventures well as you know we were on the (laughs) <laughs> the biggest one of all, at least in North America. <laughs> right. We were at Book Expo America. <laughs> Three days. We hopped the train, started early on a Wednesday, yeah. and then we were there Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We stayed with Aunt Ellen. Thank you, Aunt Ellen. Yes, thank you so much. It was so nice to have a lovely spot to get out of the fray every night, yes. I have to say. The way Book Expo works is that it's there are educational components to it where you can go and listen to panels, and they talk about all things in the book industry. And then there are authors who are showing up to do book signings. There are surprises with, you know, books that you had no idea are going to be coming out from a favorite author because it's books. There are books there that have already come out, but for the most part, it's books that are coming. That are coming out. Yeah. uh, From now up until early 2020. Right. And there's also this whole component of publishers and agents meeting each other so there are these kind of drawn curtains where you know there's some deals going on behind the scenes so that that always you know my business mind is always intrigued and I want to just like walk into one someday as if I'm supposed to be there right (laughs) yeah see what happens (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, because they're in bookstores are doing book orders, I think, and yeah. librarians. There's a whole segment for librarians, yes. a track, I should say, for librarians. So anything about books is happening. Yeah, it's really fun. And, you know, I feel like this year, this is our third year going as media, and I feel like we really... We knew what we were doing finally, right, you know, because yeah. you do kind of start to feel like you can get in a frenzy of, you know, I don't want to miss the opportunity to pick up this certain book or something, you know, yeah. and I feel like this year we were really good about, we were there because we wanted to learn mm-hmm. and, you know. And meet people. Meet people. And, yeah, yeah, it was more about that for us yeah. than gathering a bunch of books. Although I want to say we both brought back about a dozen books each probably yeah yeah Yeah. probably you know enough to fit in our suitcase we didn't ship anything this time we lugged it all home right which made us be a little bit more particular maybe about okay how many more ounces is this one gonna be on my back (laughs) as i'm lugging it through the subway right and, and onto the train wonderful time yeah wonderful time we did some panels we did some standing in line to get books signed and then we walk this the floor each uh, the publishers that are, that are there they all have the booth with reps there and they'll talk with you about what the books they have that are coming out especially ones that they're most excited about they'll have advanced reader copies and or a catalog so yeah it's, it's really a lot fun. of fun yeah so should we talk about some of the panels that yeah we went sure because the first one we went to we did go to the opening keynote panel that was Wednesday morning, and that focused on storytelling. Yeah, and it was a panel of four women, which was really cool. Yep. I don't know that I ever got their names. Did you know you what? Get them? I did. I, okay, I wrote them down this morning. I went Excellent. back and I looked at the app. The Book Expo does have an app that is handy. And you can also access it online at Book Expo America. You can access the schedule, is what I meant to say. So you could look and see everyone who is there and all, and all these different panels. It was Dominique Rocca. I'm not sure if I'm butchering her name. I apologize for all the pronunciations that right. will be happening in this episode. <laughs> She's the CEO of Sourcebooks. Kim Sh- uh, Sale, VP of Hashit Audio. Genevieve Smith, who's the features director for New York Magazine. And then Jacqueline Woodson, who we all know is a fantastic writer. Her new adult book is coming out soon. It's called Red at the Bone. Which was a hot commodity, and a couple people we know got it, and we tried to take them out, but we couldn't. We didn't, yeah. <laughs> so they had a really wonderful conversation about storytelling and what storytelling means and the different ways you can consume stories these days, which was really interesting because uh, they were one of the mentions was about, well, diversity was a big yeah. point of conversation with this panel, for sure, about who gets to choose what stories are told. Right, which is still an ongoing issue in the publishing industry because folks who are at the top in the publishing industry tend to be white. white yeah. You know, white and, middle class, yeah. upper middle class and they're they might be including more diversity, but they are still the ones choosing which stories get to be told. And that that is a problem because right. as we know like from whatever your background is, you you have a propensity to be drawn to certain stories. And maybe that is not the story that the people in groups want and need to right, hear. Right. You know, because for the longest time, it was all coming out stories mm-hmm. and gay bashing stories. And like for a while, I didn't read a lot of fiction, LGBTQ fiction, because of that. Yeah. You know, because I don't need to read another story about somebody getting gay bashed. Right. Thank you very much. You yeah. know, so anyway, the point being that there are more types of stories being told. And shared 
And they also talked about how people are consuming stories. Yeah. And, you know, that there are audiobooks now, and that's the fastest growing segment of yes. the industry, which yeah. is really interesting. And they said, too, that uh, audiobooks used to be seen as a, compet- a competitor to the book to the actual hard copy book or or paperback that was coming out. And I vaguely remember that. Like, I remember having to set up displays when I worked in the bookstore saying, do not include the audio book. Like, they wanted the reporting that they wanted, the publishers and or my bosses, was hardcover sales. Mm -hmm. They didn't want any sales, those sales polluted. Right, and that's definitely changed. Totally that has changed, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, they talked about that. And and one of the things that I like that uh, Jacqueline Woodson said was that uh, everybody should be reading children's picture books. Because, and she said too, like if you're a writer and you're not reading kids' books, you're really missing out because this is a 34 page story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that's the big thing that writers struggle with. You right. know, they might be good at beginnings, but they fizzle at the end or right. vice versa. So I thought that was a great point too yeah. to yeah. look at different stories and how they're told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And um, she also talked about so Jacqueline Woodson is a poet. I think she was a poet first. Mm -hmm. That's how I think of her anyway. But she's now publishing books, but they have a very lyrical way of being written. And she was talking about how much white space she leaves, Mm -hmm. which is a very much a poetry thing. Yeah. But she said she leaves it there because she feels like people need to rest their minds in between sentences and really think about what they've just read, digest it, and also to just like help get rid of the white noise in the world. Yeah, time have yeah. time to breathe. Yeah, and yeah. I just thought that was so beautiful. Really. The other thing that I thought was fun is the woman from Hachette said that they recently crowdsourced the voice for an audiobook <laughs> because it was a popular book and they wanted to know from people, what do you think this character's mm-hmm. voice should sound like? Yeah. You know, and I thought that was a really fun... It is totally... Yeah. It's totally true, too. Like, yeah. I mean, we've all started an audiobook and it's like oh can i deal yeah. with this voice yes. for that many hours exactly it can and, really make or break the story yeah and other voices are like they could read me the phone book and i'd be happy right. <laughs> you know so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well and also like you're saying though it's the right voice for the right story right yeah exactly yeah, yeah. And now after that or did you want to say no, anything else about ahead. that panel we went to See, uh, did you go with me to this? I don't remember. George Takei? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. My mind no, is that's okay. still in book yes. expo coma mode. But he has a new book coming out. It's a graphic novel, a graphic history, uh, called They Called Us Enemy, right? Yeah. That's the title. Now, George Takei was five years old when his family was taken and put in a camp by the United States government. His parents, I believe, had both been born in the United States. They were both of Japanese descent. And as a five-year-old, George was saying he thought it was an adventure. Right. You know, when he got up to go pee in the middle of the night and the spotlights followed him to the outhouse, he thought, well, how neat that they're lighting the way for me. Right. Which is, a, you know... When <laughs> it's you, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that vision of a five-year-old's perspective yeah. on that. Whereas, of course, his parents, you know, his father had to make the 
make the choice to cooperate because guns were pointed right. at the family. It was obviously a tragedy. It was yes. not, you know, adventures, adventures yeah. for the family. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. We got a preview of it. They had a, a small pamphlet that was a preview and um, that's coming out later this fall. And then we went to, what was the name of this one? It was, was called, Words Without Borders? Uh, or? The, the New Wave of International Fiction. Okay. And right. that was chaired by a woman. It was a panel. It was chaired by Karen Phillips, who's C- the CEO of Words Without Borders. Okay, that's yeah. what I have. I'm, I'm having trouble reading my notes. Yeah. She was really interesting. And I'll put a link in the show notes to Words Without Borders, and I highly recommend that everyone go check it out. It was a really great panel. It was, so it was Juan Mila. Mm-hmm. Who's an he's an editor, Johanna Castillo, who's an agent from Ecuador originally, I believe what she said. And Isabella Lande is one of her clients. Yeah. Uh, Jenny McPhee, who is a translator and professor at Princeton. She calls herself a translator activist. Yes. Yeah. And we had seen her the year before. She's great. And then actually Yuma Terada is um, the gentleman who's focused on the Japanese Oh, you know what? I got that backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Juan Mila, Juan Mila is, is he the... works for Harpavia, which is right. a new imprint. Sorry about Harper. that. That's okay. Yeah. Harpavia. So yeah. So Yuma Terada, he's from Japan. Then the last person is Heidi Goodrich, right. who is an author, who is um, an American who moved to Italy as a teenager and lived there for quite a while and became fluent in Italian. She now lives in New Zealand. And her first novel, which is going to be coming out soon... Lost in the Spanish Quarter. She originally was writing it in English, and she was writing it and revising it, and nothing, it just wasn't feeling right to her. And she decided, well, let me try it in Italian. And it just all clicked together for her. And now she writes exclusively in Italian. And then she did the translation into English. (laughs) Yeah, which is great because, you know, she just had herself to deal with. Right, exactly. (laughs) She didn't have to call the author and say, no, would this word be the better fit or would that word be the better fit? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really great panel. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, they talked about... Now, this is an interesting, too, a little bit of literary history. Like, same thing with the audiobooks that not that long ago, translators used to be, quote, hidden. I'm using mm-hmm. air quotes. Yeah. Hidden by publishers because they thought the public, or, the public really didn't want to know that something was translated. And I remember feeling that way in my younger years, kind of like, well, how do I know if it's a good translation of a language I don't speak? And there are all these different translations of especially some classics. Right. And I think now one of the points that somebody made on the panel is that publishers now try to match translators with the book. Right. So it's no longer just, it's not like you're just translating some dry document. You're actually translating the spirit of the text. So they're really trying harder to match translators with novels. Right. And I thought that was a really cool point and just a fascinating area of publishing and translating that, you know, I don't, I've never really thought about that. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I hadn't thought about is they said, and I might butcher this statistic, I thought I wrote it down, but that in our country, only 3% mm-hmm. of American books are translations or the books that we can that, access yeah. here. Whereas in other countries, it's 50 to 60%. Yes. It is a lot more. Yeah. yeah. So in other words, writers, American writers are translated in other countries, mm-hmm. but we don't have as much access yeah. to writers who are trans that who are writing in other countries. Right. And that's a UK statistic too, 3% yeah. in the UK as well. And they also mentioned that internationally, English is often the last language to get translated. 
So one of the, the points that um, Yuma Tarada made and why so few Japanese authors are sometimes translated into English for American audiences is that publishers here want to control all of a writer's backlist. Right. They want to own the backlist so they can publish and promote it all together as a bundle, which makes sense. And he said in Japan the tradition is if you're a successful author, you're published by many different publishers because it's a sign of honor and your your status that you're published by a variety of publishers, that these publishers want you. So the legal aspect of having to deal with 16 publishers, say, if this Japanese author has 16 books, that's a big legal... Right. So that's part of, of what his company yeah. is trying to work with so that they can get more Japanese writers translated into the English. Right. And, what, uh, you know, a little bit of a story about his life. Like, he's from Japan, from Tokyo, was where he was living. And he assumed that, well, eventually I'll move to New York or London to be in the publishing world there. He actually lives in L.A. now. Right. Because it's Hollywood that has put the biggest call in to have more diverse stories being told. Right. And he's like, I would have never thought about that, but there he is in Hollywood. And some of the authors that he reps are even being asked now by Hollywood to write original screenplays for Hollywood. Hollywood is what's creating content right now, which is really interesting. So it was a great panel. I really, that was probably one of my favorites that we went to, actually. It was really good. And then I think we split up, which was hard to do. It was. And I went to see Jennifer Weiner, who's the author of the book I just talked about that I'm currently reading, Mrs. Everything. Mm-hmm. It was really fun to see her. She's a very well thought hey, of author. Jennifer Weiner? Yeah. I went with you to that. Oh, Chris was there with yeah. me. Pardon me. You know what? I think we did split up because I went to a diversity panel and you oh, went okay. somewhere. Oh, I'm... So maybe, but then we hooked up for Jennifer okay. again because I I wanted to see her. Okay, yeah. so we were there together. We were. So should we talk about that? Yeah, go ahead. And um, she was talking about that this book is actually based on her mother's life, who lived in Detroit. She was kind of a stay-at-home mom raising her kids. Not sure if that's really what her mom wanted to do or to be, but she didn't have as many choices back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mother talks about how. You couldn't get a credit card. You couldn't get a mortgage on a house on your own. You yeah. know, you needed a man to do those things. And so yeah, she. Yeah, it's not just a 19th century thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so she wanted to write about her mother's life, who this. She was born and raised in Detroit. So she did a tour of Michigan with her mom and did a bunch of reconnaissance. Then when her parents got divorced and they did not have a pretty divorce, like 10 years later, her mother started dating a woman. And she had a woman that didn't work out so well for the family, but then ended up with the partner that she has now, who's become a really treasured part of their family. Yeah, she talks, she talked a lot about how her mom fought for reproductive rights. She fought for productive rights. And now her daughters are going to marches, which is just like, you don't think every generation is going to have to fight the same battle. But, you know, as you talked about uh, from a recent book, the, you know, the vote for women's voting equality, that was a 40, 50-year right. struggle. struggle. Yeah. And so abortion rights are a relatively new thing. But she did talk about the one hopeful thing she sees for her girls, who are pretty young, I think, is that the language is changing. Yeah. So in the book, Mrs. Everything, there's um, a situation where an uncle is is being inappropriate with his niece 
And the way the niece describes it to her her mother is, he's hugging me for too long. Right. Because she doesn't have the words. She doesn't have the words to say, this is uncomfortable and I know it's not right. Now you would use the word molest or something, you know, and you have the words. Now, I'm not saying that that makes it easier because we have the words, but it's just that there's a little bit more acceptance of talking about it Mm -hmm. and knowing that it's wrong. Whereas historically... With families, there was lore about, you know, yeah. certain family members being inappropriate. Right. You know? Well, and it was also kind of, if you didn't know, if nobody talked about it, you didn't really know that it was wrong. You right. might not have liked it. Right. But you might have thought, well, this is my uncle and this is, I guess, what uncles do. You right. don't really know that things are wrong. Right. If, if it's never... You, it might feel wrong to you, but right. in terms of talking about it with other people. Yeah. So she deals with some he- heavy subject matter, but she also sprinkles in some humor, which yeah. is nice. And she was hysterical. Yeah, it's yeah. the 60s. So there's some very funny, you know, like living on a commune humor and things yeah. like that. So it's I think it's the perfect summer read. I'm so glad it's coming out on June 11th. Total beach read. But also with some real substance to yeah, it. You absolutely. Because I think one of the themes, and I don't know if this is from a question, but, you know, she talked about how you, you can't be honest with anyone else if you can't be honest with yourself. Yes. You know, in terms of one's sexual identity. And, right. Or other issues in the book. Yeah. So yeah. she was great. What else did we do? That I think that was day one. Was that day one? Yeah, you know what? We did go to some some other panels. One that I went to that I really liked was called Progress and LGBTQ Plus Books and Authors. And that was um, a panel that was moderated by Jamila King, who is a reporter for Mother Jones magazine, and she's also their podcast host. Oh, cool. They have a podcast I started listening to since then and really like it. The panelists were Grace Ellis, who is known for the Lumberjanes series, Mariko Tamaki, whose new book is Harley Quinn, Breaking Glass. I like that, Harley Quinn. That's a graphic novel coming out. And then Phil Stamper, he works in publishing, but his uh, debut YA novel is coming out in 2020, and that is called The Gravity of Us. It was a really wonderful panel. I just enjoyed the conversation talking about how things have changed. You know, they, they were a panel that talked about how LGBTQ books are not just coming out stories anymore. More stories are allowed to be told now about people who just happen to be gay and how they live their life. You know, and they talked about the importance of younger people, too, having access to stories that represent them. Yeah, for sure. So, really fabulous panel. I look forward to reading all of their books, really. I, I did read one of the Lumberjanes. I'm not sure how many I think, are out I right think now. it's Well, there was one available at Book Expo. I want to say yeah. it was the third. Well, okay. So, yeah. But don't quote me on that, but I will put a link to those books in the show notes. Yeah. And then uh, Mariko Tamaki, she won a Caldecott. Oh, cool. And some other uh, kids' books awards. She wasn't a name that was familiar to me, but I'm definitely going to be checking out her books. Excellent. And then I did see one of the books I was excited to, or one of the authors I was excited to see um, was Carl Marlantes, which I didn't know he was going to be there until I was looking over the program. And I was like, holy crap. I didn't even know he had another book coming out. So that one is Deep River, and it's coming out July 2nd, I think it is. So I was super excited to see him again. I had met him at the Pritzker Military Library Museum in Chicago years ago when he was um, his book Matterhorn was out. He came and he spoke there, so it was great to, yeah. to meet him because that's a fabulous novel as well. Yeah. And now our last panel that we went to 
was the last panel of the of the book expo, which was the year of women in books. Yes. That was a fantastic panel. And, you know, I will say the one thing I loved about that panel was they had a handout. They did. None of the other panels had a handout. And, it, I, you know, I'm, I can be a little anal. <laughs> you you know, if you, if you arrive two minutes late to a panel, they've already announced who the people on the panel are. And yeah. you might have missed it. Or they just talk so fast and you can't scribble down fast enough who they are and what their books are. But this one, you walked in, and on each seat, they had this lovely handout. Yeah. And so it was called The Year of the Woman in Books in 2018, 2019, and Beyond, The Success and Influence of Books for and by Women. Should I read who the people were? The moderator was Susanna Greenberg, who's the president of Susanna Greenberg Public Relations. And then the panelists were Hannah Oliver Depp, who owns a bookstore called Word in... um, no, I'm sorry. She managed the bookstore Word in New Jersey, and now she's just opened her own bookstore called Loyalty Bookstores. In D.C. In yeah. D.C. And then Gloria Edom, who is the author of the anthology Well-Read Black Girl, Finding Our Stories and Discovering Ourselves. Michelle Philgate, and um, she just came out with a book that I am dying to read called What My Mother and I Don't Talk About, 15 Writers Break the Silence which is a set of essays. So she was the editor. I'm sorry, did I say she was the writer? She was the editor of this book. Hillary Kelly, who's a critic and essayist and contributor to New York Magazine and Vulture. And then Erica Swiler, who wrote a book, Light from Other Stars, a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also wrote, what is the other book? The Book of Speculation was her first novel, and that was a huge success, and that was published in 2015. Okay. She's funny because she talked about how she sometimes gets emails um, by from other women complaining about quote bad language. Yeah. <laughs> and and one of the points she made about that was that that's so patriarchal. Yep. To look at women as not supposed to swear or use certain words right. and as we said very early on in our podcast, we love all the words. Yep. Yep. We <laughs> so, do. Uh, but and she's on her book tour now, oh, so cool. check her out. I think that book just came out. I know she's actually going to be at RJ's this Friday. Oh, really? Yeah, which I would have loved to have gone to see her, but I'm heading out of town. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Leaving me. Yep, I am. Yeah, I really enjoyed that panel a lot. And one of the things Hannah said was, uh, like, about trolls and dealing with that as a woman on, say, Twitter, is that, you know, you don't have to respond to them. Mm -hmm. You don't have to give them your time. Yep. You know, delete, block, move on. Yeah. Like, and focus on what you want to focus on. Yeah. And I like that because I think that's a struggle that a lot of people have is, I want to try and change somebody's mind or... Or help them see it from a different viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not what the trolls are there for at all. Right. It was a very powerful, powerful panel and a nice way to go out. It really was. And they gave a copy. Uh, Yes, we have. Red Black Girl, which was great. So excited. Yeah, which has a fantastic blurb on the front from our buddy Min Jin Lee. It says, a brilliant collection of essential American reading, smart, powerful, and complete. And it's an anthology. And she has a great Instagram feed, too. Yeah. 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 Love following her there. We missed one. We we did so much we that did. we can't report everything, but we did get to see Sonia Sotomayor. Oh my gosh! Yes, we did. Wow. <laughs> Justice, yes. Sonia Sotomayor, I should say, and yeah. she has a new children's book coming out. Yes, called Just Ask. Yeah, yeah, and that was it's illustrated by Rafael Lopez, who she was in conversation with, and they had never met. Yeah, he lives on the the West Coast. 
they did all their communications via the internet and telephone. So it was their first time in person together, which was was really sweet. Yeah. His illustrations are beautiful. They had a PowerPoint showing different illustrations from the book. Um, I think it would make a fantastic gift. We didn't see when it comes out. I will put that yeah, in the show notes. I didn't have that here either. But the kind of the point of the book is to help kids and, and people, you know, not to assume things about other people when you see something, you know, and to just ask, you know, and don't assume the worst in people. So I think it's going to be really a good book to help teach compassion or help remind us of the importance of compassion. Yeah, I agree. And she was wonderful. She really likes to be among the people. So they started the interview on stage sitting down and then she moved through the crowd. It was in this huge area called the main stage where people are sitting at big round tables. tables. And she walked through and just took people's hands while he was asking her questions and she was answering intellectually, yes. which to me, like, to be able to walk through a crowd, not trip, shake hands, shake hands, answer questions, it was yeah. an impressive feat. And nice. And she just sounded so calm yeah. and kind throughout the whole thing. And then when it was time for Q&A, the people who asked a question, she would take a photo with them. But she would say to them, this is only for friends and family. Please don't put it on social media. Right. You know, and I thought that was very trusting. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I like that. But she did say one of the things I wrote down is that, that one of the things we have to understand is that you have a choice to make a difference in the world and you have to remind yourself of that every day. Yeah. And I love that because it is true. It's like I think we sometimes all get ramped up about something but then you kind of forget and you're during your life and things start getting heavy and yeah. then you're inspired again. But to, to have a quote for yourself that reminds you of that every day, I think is really yeah. empowering. It is. Yeah. She was fantastic. So- and she mentioned, so if somebody asked her what book she would recommend, what book changed her life. And she did say, uh, Just Mercy. By Brian Stevenson, which is a book we read early on in the podcast and got to go see him in Rhode Island. Yeah. Fantastic book. That's a book to remind everybody of. It's a it's if you haven't read it, it's a really important read. And then we ended our book expo time by traipsing over to our friend Russell, who we mentioned quite a bit, who has the booktube channel Ink and Paper blog. Yeah, we went up to his hotel room. And, and recorded with him. Right. And we did a really fun recording of our two favorite books that we all got from Book Expo. And that is up on his channel. He released yeah. it this week. So we will send you a link. Or we won't send it to you. Yeah. I wish I could do that. It's in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, check it out. It's It was fun. We've been talking about doing a video together, but we live. he lives on the West Coast. And we have had him, when we were at Book Expo last year, we interviewed him, kind of, but we've not had a chance to do a video together, so that was super fun. I think he was on episode 51, I believe it was. Okay. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Upcoming adventures? Well, I am on Friday leaving on a major trip with my two kids, which I'm really excited about. As many of you listeners know, I turned 50 this year, and so I decided I wanted to do some epic traveling. And so I invited my two kids to go with me, and we're going to go to Ireland and Portugal. So we're only going to be in Ireland for a few days, and we're going to be in the mountains hiking. I have been to Ireland and went to Dublin and went to Trinity Library. I don't think we'll get a chance to go back there. 
But there is supposed to be a fantastic library in Lisbon, I think, mm-hmm. Portugal. So that's on my radar. Excellent. Um, I'm going to drag my kids to every bookstore I can. They know <laughs> the drill. <laughs> Bookstores and bakeries with mom. <laughs> so I don't have any specifics. I have been so busy. I haven't had a time to do much research, but I'm hoping to come across some little cool bookstores and Fabulous. libraries. So yeah. I will report back on that. Not yeah. in the next episode. We should tell yeah. you that episode 79. Episode 79 will be featuring some interviews with folks we did at Book Expo. Right. We sat down with some, some new friends and some old friends, and we asked them what their mission was at Book Expo. So that will be episode 79. We're doing that because... It's a good chunk of time. It's about 50 minutes, I think, of recording time. I'm not sure how long the episode will be. Um, but I'll be at the Willa Cather seminar. You'll be out of the country. Right. Um, but we definitely didn't want to skip uh, an episode. Right. Yeah, so that'll be coming up on episode 79. So on episode oh. 80, I will do a recap of my adventures to Portugal and Ireland. Excellent. Looking forward to that. One thing, too, that I wanted to mention to folks was an app that I just read about called Serial Reader. You might want to check this out. It was developed by a man named Michael Schmidt, who started it as a way to slowly read some of the classics that he wanted to read and shared it with some friends. And his friends were saying, you need to launch this as an app. And so it is launched. I read about it in Salon Magazine. It takes different books and you sign up for that book and you get a little bit of it sent to you each day on this app at whatever time you specify. So if you want to wake up and read a little bit of Middlemarch or Dracula or whatever book, he has them broken down by different genres and categories, you can do that. It's a free app. There is a paid component if you wanted to upgrade. I'm going to look forward to, I think, reading Middlemarch using this app. Which you've been trying to do, so that's awesome. Because I'm not going to let 2020 come about without having read Middle March. Okay, we're all going to hold you to that. Yeah, I have to read it, or else I won't forgive myself. <laughs> right, so that's Serial Reader, and that's not like the cereal you eat. It's yeah. S-E-R-I-A-L, Yeah, and we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. That's really cool. That could be a game changer for your, for your reading. Yes, for yeah. sure. So what about your upcoming reads, now that we're done with Gone with the Wind? Well, I'll be reading lots of Willa Cather. Um, I need to reread a couple of the novels for the paper that I'm giving at the Willa Cather seminar. <laughs> not, not t- in two weeks? Next yeah, week? You yeah, better get busy. The corner. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just want them to be fresh in my mind. Yes, I know, totally get I do. There. I totally get that. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so what about you? I have, well, I'm going on a trip, and I am devoted to reading a lot on this trip. I mean, I might be wishful thinking, but I have (laughs) flights. You know, flights are always a good time to read. So I'm bringing Never Have I Ever by Jocelyn Jackson, which was one of the books I got at Expo, and that doesn't come out to the end of July. If You Want to Make God Laugh by Bianca Murray. Bianca is the author we had on um, earlier... On an earlier episode, she wrote the the book, Hum, If You Don't Know the Words. And this book, I think, is coming out in July also. Mm -hmm. I'll put release dates in the show notes. And then I'm reading a book that is out called All Grown Up by Jamie Attenberg. Mm -hmm. She's been on my radar for a long time, and I've just never read any of her. Actually, that might not be true. I think I read her book, The Middlesteens. I think. And then The Butterfly Girl by Renee Denfeld, which also is not out yet. Sorry, everybody. But she's the (laughs) author of Enchanted 
and The Child Finder, okay. which both are out and both are fantastic. And The Child Finder is the first book. This The Butterfly Girl is a follow-up with the same character. Okay. I think they're still both standalones, of course. So that's my that's my cool. hopeful list of four. Nice. I like that. Bianca just posted on her social media the cover of If You Want to Make God Laugh has an owl and a dog on it. And they created this cool thing where you see a shot of the book cover without them, and then they fly and they run in and they take their place on the cover of the book. It's so adorable. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so check out her social media. Yeah, she has great social media, and I'm just so happy for her to have a second book coming out. And you know what? We also sat down with Fiona Davis and interviewed her. That will be on an episode coming out in July before her new book launches, The Chelsea Girls. So stay tuned for that as well. So much. So many books. Yes. So (laughs) many books. (laughs) All right, right, everybody. everybody. Happy Happy reading. reading. Thanks for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. To keep the bookish conversation going online, join our Goodreads group or connect with us on social media. If you'd like to contribute to our hunt for a good read, you can donate on Patreon. And if you have a minute to review us on whatever app you use to listen to us, we appreciate it. It can help other listeners find us. Thanks, everybody.